This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. The following presentation of the Midland City Council will begin in a moment. The Midland City Council is the city's legislative body that sets policies, approves budgets, determines tax rates, and adopts ordinances and resolutions to govern the city. It is made up of five elected officials that represent the wards in which they reside, and councilmen are elected to two-year terms. The mayor is elected from among the council members by vote of the city council. City council meetings are held at 7 p.m. two Mondays per month in council chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on AT&T or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs Podcast Channel. This first meeting of the 39th City Council, formed under the 1945 Charter of the City of Midland, is now called to order. Please join me for the Pledge of Allegiance. Yes, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Please be seated. Tonight is the first meeting conducted by the newly elected City Council. As City Clerk, it is my honor to call the meeting to order and administer the oath of office to the incoming City Council. I will continue to conduct the meeting until the Mayor and Mayor Pro Tem are selected by the City Council. Once the Mayor Pro Tem has been selected, I will resume my responsibilities as City Clerk and the Mayor will conduct the remainder of the meeting. Based on the certified results of the City Council election conducted on Tuesday, November 8, 2022 by the Office of the City Clerk, the role of those elected to the Office of Council Member in each of the five wards of the City will now be called. Ward 1, Mr. Tim Solar. It's our pleasure to welcome Councilman Solar as he begins his first term as Councilman to the first ward. Welcome Councilman Solar. Okay. Ward 2, Ms. Maureen Donker. Councilman Donker joins us for her eighth term as representative to Ward 2. Ward 3, Mr. Steve Arnosky. Councilman Arnosky is entering his fourth full term on Midland City Council. Councilman Arnosky represents the third ward. Ward 4, Ms. Diane Brown-Wilhelm. Councilman Brown-Wilhelm is entering her seventh full term on Midland City Council. Councilman Brown-Wilhelm is absent from tonight's meeting, but was sworn in earlier today as the representative to the fourth ward. And finally, Ward 5, Mr. W Marty Wasbinski. Councilman Wasbinski joins us for his 11th term as fifth ward councilman and is the longest serving councilman on this council. Welcome council members. We will now consider the selection of mayor. Insofar as required by law and for, the for all ceremonial purposes, the mayor is recognized as the executive head of the city of Midland. 
The mayor shall have an equal voice and vote in the proceedings of the council. The mayor shall have the power to command the assistance of all able-bodied citizens to aid in the enforcement of ordinances of the city of Midland. You're right, we do. Borrow this? Yes, you can borrow. Thanks. <laughs> Missing a page. Council members, please rise and raise your right hand and respond with I will. I do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Michigan and the Charter of the City of Midland and that I will endeavor to secure and maintain an honest and, and efficient administration of the, the affairs of the City of Midland, free from partisan distinction or control, and that I will perform the duties of the office of council person to my respective ward to the best of my ability, so help me God. I do. Please be seated. Thank you. Back to, we will now consider the selection of mayor. Insofar as required by law and for all ceremonial purposes, the mayor is recognized as the executive head of the city of Midland. The mayor shall have an equal voice and vote in the proceedings of council. The mayor shall have the power to command the assistance of all able-bodied citizens to aid in the enforcement of the ordinances of the city of Midland. The mayor shall authenticate by his or her signature such instruments as the council, the charter of the city of Midland, or the laws of the state of Michigan or the United States require, and the selection of the mayor as provided by the Midland City Charter shall be by city council from among its own membership. Before we proceed to the election of the mayor, is there any discussion regarding the eligibility and qualifications of any of the five council members for the position of mayor? Um, Councilman Brown Wilhelm submitted her thoughts via email earlier today, um, so I will read those first. First, I would like to congratulate all of you on your election win and look forward to working with each of you. As you prepare to select the mayor and mayor pro tem, I would like to make it known that I support Councilwoman Maureen Donker for mayor and Councilman Marty Wasbinski for mayor pro tem. In addition, I would like to continue serving as the legislative director for the city of Midland. Any other discussion? Should we look at doing nominations now, or is that the next step? <laughs> you can do nominations okay. now. I'd um, like to nominate Mayor or Councilwoman <laughs> Maureen Donker for the position of mayor. Thank you. I'll second that. Councilman Wasbinski has made a motion to nominate Councilman Donker for the position of mayor. Councilman Arnoski has seconded is there any discussion before I call the vote? Seeing none, all in favor of Councilman Donker serving as mayor respond by saying aye. 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 All opposed, same sign. Motion to elect Councilman Donker as mayor passes four to zero. Well, thank you very much for that support. I promise that you know, I'll do my best to support you and certainly the work that we are all doing. Um, for the city. It's a great city to be a part of and I look forward to serving with all of you this next coming couple of years. Next, we will now consider the position of Mayor Pro Tem. The Mayor Pro Tem performs the duties of Mayor when the Mayor is absent from the city or if disability or other circumstances find the Mayor temporarily unable to perform the duties of the office. 
The mayor pro tem also assumes mayoral responsibilities in the case of vacancy in the office of mayor or until such time that a vacancy is filled by the council. Is there any discussion regarding the eligibility and qualifications of any of the remaining four councilmen for the position of mayor pro tem? Diane mentioned you. Are you willing to serve as mayor pro tem? I would be very honored. Okay. okay. So am I saying Arnaski? I guess I will, I will okay. move for Marty as the mayor pro tem. All right, and I'll second that. Councilman Arnaski has made motion to nominate Councilman Wazbinski for the position of mayor pro tem. Councilman Donker has seconded. Is there any discussion before I call a vote? Seeing none, all in favor of Councilman Wasbinski serving as mayor pro tem, please respond by saying aye. 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 All opposed, same sign. Motion to elect Councilman Wasbinski as mayor uh, pro tem passes four to zero. Thank you. Okay. At this time, it is my pleasure to present the gavel to Mayor Donker. Um, I just want to say that you did that with so much oomph. I need to take a lesson <laughs> from you. So well done. Just All panic. right. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. So now um, we are to item number C under election um, under reorganization and elections, and this is where we adopt Robert Rule of Order. And I'm going to turn it over to Mr. K, who's going to be introducing that. Lacey, if you can pull that presentation up, please. So while she's doing that, um, again, congratulations to all of you. Um, welcome back to four of you. And uh, Mr. Solar, welcome to City Council. I look forward to working with you. And certainly to Mayor Donker and Mayor Pro Tem Wasbinski. Um, again, welcome back. Thank you. Um, so this evening, first meeting of every City Council, there are a number of procedural steps that we need to work through. Um, and Council typically does these in a series of resolutions, which I'll present to you one at a time here, so to make this simple, rather than going through six and letting you kind of worm your way through a, a mess of them, we'll do them one at a time. So um, the first is Robert's Rules of Order, as Mayor Donker has indicated, uh, the newly revised edition. These are the parliamentary procedure rules, if you will, that, can, that really regulate the conduct of meetings here at City Council. They speak largely in our context to the responsibilities of the mayor as the chair of the board. Uh, and also to the procedures for motion and amendments. And when we get into conflicts and we're not quite sure how to proceed with the motion, they give us a guide. Uh, and I use the term guide specifically, you've heard Mr. Branson say this many times as well, that this is not a set of rules that we strictly adhere to, but they are a set of rules that we use as a guide for all of our meetings and procedures. So for those of you that may have looked back at the motion two years ago versus what we have tonight, we actually have the word guide uh, in the resolution itself that we're presenting to you just to make that perfectly clear. So the recommendation of course is that we move forward, we readopt Robert's Rules of Order as a guide for the meetings and conduct of City Council. And if there's questions, I'd be pleased to answer them. Any questions for Mr. K? If not, you do need a motion to pass that resolution. Okay, very good. Can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So move. We have a second. I'll second it. Okay. <laughs> Any discussion on this? All right, then all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes. Four zero. That now takes us down to item D, which is Open Meetings Act. So you guys are getting the new guy right into the motion. <laughs> <laughs> So the second one, as you said, is the Open Meetings Act. 
Um, this is a meeting that addresses, or sorry, an act, excuse me, and the rules around it that govern a, a lot of different matters, specifically regarding council meetings. They speak to um, the comments that can be made either under public comment or under new business or relative to any other matters that are on our agenda. And specifically, they require that they be germane to an agenda item or that they be upon a subject that the council can properly and lawfully take action on. So what that really means is people can't just simply come here to the podium and start speaking on matters that have nothing to do with city council or city business, um, such as campaigning, for instance. We do not permit that to, to take place in our council chambers. And these are part of the rules that establish that and set that precedent. Um, they're intended, obviously, for efficiency to make sure that people, when they come to speak to you, are speaking to matters that you can actually do something about. Um, they also, the, the, the rules themselves, I should say, speak to meeting notices. Um, they authorize and direct the city clerk uh, to essentially produce a cost, to develop a cost formula uh, for reproducing and mailing notices of all meetings of city council should somebody request to do that. I don't think we get very many, if any, I think any more of those, obviously with everything online on the city's website and through any number of other sources that they can get that. Uh, but nonetheless, you are required to adopt rules that say how much you would charge for providing that service should somebody wish to have it. Um, agendas themselves, we publish those in advance. Um, and what we talk about there is that they are furnished to the city clerk and they're provided to parties entitled to notice uh, pursuant to the Open Meetings Act. And so again, this provision, the resolution that's in front of you, uh, provides for what we do and how we do that. And then on minutes, uh, there's also a charge that's produced. So in other words, you can't just simply ask the clerk for every minute or every, or every set of minutes, excuse me, that the city council has, whether for tonight's meeting or a previous meeting. Um, without a charge being applied. So um, it requires that there be a reasonable cost towards that and the cost that we have is actually 10 cents a page where that's an increase uh, just so that you know we previously included four cents a page which didn't even cover the paper. Um, so now it's 10 cents a page plus the time of the staff member to actually copy it. But we don't charge if it's anything less than $5. So if it's just a few pages, uh, there's no charge for that particular purpose. Um, if there's questions on that, I'll be pleased to answer them. Otherwise, there is a resolution in front of you as well that council typically addresses and uh, adopts at this time. Okay. Any questions regarding this? Mr. K, then can we have a motion to accept? So moved. You want second. second? Dick. Okay, yes. second. All right. Any discussion on this? All right, then. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. That passes 4 0. That takes us now down to um, item number three, which has, which has to do with um, Freedom of Information Act. Okay, I guess <clears throat> some of the technical and legal requirements for council in terms of how we're going to deal with Freedom of Information Act requests in particular, or FOIAs, you'll hear us refer to those quite frequently. Um, essentially what it is under the act, we are required to provide all non-exempt public records um, upon request. So we have to appoint a designated FOIA coordinator that has always been the city's attorney as far as, at least as I know, um, or at least for a considerable period of time, it's been Mr. Branson. Um, and so this resolution would appoint him. And it also requires and provides that we will keep written requests on file for no less than one year after which uh, they can be disposed of. Um, there's a whole lot of other things. This is one of the longer, more detailed resolutions of these, these six, I think, that are on there tonight. Um, it talks, too, about the fees, so we can't exceed uh, the actual mailing cost, the incremental cost of duplication, um, including the labor to, to duplicate or publicize those. Um, and then finally, the additional labor cost of searching, examining, basically putting together the record that's necessary, pulling all, the, all together the documents that are asked for um, can't be unreasonably high, and this resolution provides for all of those. 
And then it finally, I, it provides that the FOIA coordinator, so Mr. Branson and his office need to establish the procedures for processing any uh, FOIA requests and make it available to the public. And that is provided for, and again, Mr. Branson's office pro provides that, puts it together, and then publishes that. So like, once more, there's a resolution introduced for your purposes. Okay, does anyone have any questions for Mr. K on Freedom of Information? Okay, then seeing none, can we have a motion? So move. We have a second? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> right. okay, first and second, any discussion on that? All right, then all in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 4-0. That now takes us down to the appointment of a council member to the MBS board. All right, so this is something our, our public doesn't always recognize, but we are part owners of MBS uh, International Airport. And there is a nine-member commission that represents all three airport owners, of which the city of Midland is one, the city of Saginaw and Bay County are the other two. Um, the bodies, the nine members that is, co collectively are the governance board of the airport itself. From Midland's perspective, there are three members that are appointed to that. Uh, one seat is filled by the city manager while in office. The second is a citizen at large, which is a three-year term currently filled by Kathy Budd on behalf of the city. And then the third is a city councilman uh, who is appointed for a two-year term uh, concurrent with the council terms themselves. Currently, council well, up until tonight, at least Councilman <laughs> Arnosky has been the uh, the MBS Airport representative from City Council. Uh, for background purposes, it's just important to know before an appointment is made that this board meets monthly and it's on a Thursday afternoon. It's not evening meetings, um, so it does take some afternoon time in order uh, to attend and participate in the MBS Airport Commission. But tonight, your purpose would be to select and appoint one member of the five of you to the MBS Airport Commission. Okay, does anyone have any questions for Mr. K about the board itself? Okay, then seeing none, rather than have a discussion, can we have a motion to um, point someone to the board? I would like to move. Uh, he's been doing a great job um, for Steve Arnosky to go ahead and fill that position, please. Okay, and I'll second that. All right. So we have had a first. If you're willing to serve, I should ask. Probably. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you are. Yes, I am. I am willing to serve, and uh, I appreciate are, are, it. You're vice. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm the vice chairman. Vice chair chairman. Oh, <laughs> right. yeah. the uh, commission. So. Well, great. I'm glad that Midland has someone in that role, certainly on that board. So, any discussion that we should have about that? All right, then. Are we ready to vote? Okay. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed. Okay. That passes for zero. Now that takes us down to the appointment of a council member to the EMS Advisory Board, and again, Mr. K. Thank you, Madam Mayor. This is a board that's probably a little less known to council. Um, it, it's a 12-member advisory board to the Midland County Board of Commissioners, and it has and deals with, in particular, ambulance service within Midland County. Um, of those 12 members, one member is designated for um, a current sitting member of Midland City Council. Um, again, this board meets uh, quarterly during the daytime, so not evening meetings. Um, just for a little bit of background, because again, it's not something that we deal or hear from very often, but they look at uh, the compliance of mid, uh, says mid Michigan, so I should say my Michigan up there, medical center's compliance with the service performance standards regarding ambulance service and recommend when appropriate modifications and additions to those standards. Um, they review and evaluate the patient care evaluations submitted, again, by my Michigan. 
um, and they initiate when appropriate millage renewal proposals and coordinate renewal activities surrounding those millage proposals. So they can be an active board, but they don't meet frequently. Um, and, and again, it's not one that often comes before us and mostly because it advises the Midland County Board of Commissioners. So the final thing that they do is they review the bylaws and they submit any recommended changes to that county board uh, for their approval should they be necessary. So once more, um, this is a, a system or a board that is, has a member of city council on it. Councilman Arnoski again is the current sitting member uh, from Midland, or Midland City on that particular board. But uh, you do need a new resolution. It is for the term of council. Okay, does anyone have any questions for Mr. K on that? I guess I, guess I just have one. Mm -hmm. So any changes into the services that are supplied by um, EMS or their scope of services, all of that goes through that board through discussions. Correct. With, and they, they vote on, on moving that forward. They, again, they're an advisory board, so they don't okay. have the authority to actually implement changes, but they were, would act as sort of as our planning commission often does to city council, where they look at the matter, they'll take a vote on it, but pass it in the form of a recommendation. As planning commission does to city council, they pass that on to the county board of commissioners. All right. So do we have... Well, maybe, can we have a little bit more discussion maybe about you this? sure can. All right, so we have one new member on the board, mm -hmm. and sometimes the new member takes that role. Sometimes the new member says, I want to wait a little bit before we take, take that, role, that role. So um, that is something I think we, we need to think about. You know, we can make a, a recommendation, or we can ask Mr. Solar what his interest is, or we could say, ask Mr. Arnoski if he's still interested in doing that. Um, and it, it does meet during the day, and it, is, it would be quarterly. So if you're interested or if you want to wait, Mr. Solar, that would be something. I, I would love to do it. I, I, I used to be a phlebotomist at one time, and I loved it. I like the medical field. I think it would be a great fit. Um, I'm aware that you were on the airport and this. I'd like to lighten your load a little bit if that's possible. <laughs> yeah, I think just to kind of, Tim, for your benefit, um, the EMS board, like Brad mentioned, is, is advisory. It's really to make sure the city is represented as well as all the townships in Midland County. And it's really to focus on making sure that each of us, I would represent the city or you would, whoever, that the services being provided are effective for the city. The townships are speaking up on their own behalf. We are fortunate because you know, the primary station is right there at the hospital, so they can service within the city very quickly. They provide very good service. We look at the data, we look at the performance, we look at making sure they're, the people that staff the EMS are properly trained and there's different levels and there's different levels of equipment to do different service, to provide different services, all related to you know, providing uh, help to injured people, basically. Uh, so that's what it involves. It's a quarterly meeting. Uh, I am willing to step aside if, if you feel strongly about it. I think the thing is important that you can, in fact, serve. I know when I first was elected uh, to council, I refrained because my job was such I could not serve. So if you can do it, you know, great. Uh, provides you an opportunity to engage and represent the city in a different capacity. If you can't, then that's fine. I will continue to serve. So you're fine with serving? I absolutely am. All right, yes. then, okay, then I make a motion, Mr. <laughs> Solar, to fill the role on, on the EMS Advisory Board. Can we have a second to that? I'll second it. Okay. First and second, any discussion? Seeing none, then all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 4-0. There's a new member. <laughs> okay. well, I think the county has to approve. I think we have to submit the, uh, the, the nomination to the county, and the county 
has to actually approve the appointment. At least that's the way it was when I was first uh, yep. uh, nominated. Because it's the county's commission. Correct. Yep. We will certainly follow up and, and we'll let you know the procedures and the timing and, and when all that works out. So. All right. Wonderful. Okay. That takes us now down to, down to item number H, which has to do with the Midlands uh, Legislative Director. And Mr. K will introduce that. I feel like Jacob up here with all these uh, resolutions in front of me tonight, but I think I got through my six quicker than he typically does. So. Um, I want to hear a response for that later. <laughs> That's all right. So our, our, our final appointment this evening um, is dealing with uh, what's known as our legislative director. Um, this is a member of council who is charged with monitoring state and federal legislation that affects, excuse me, the city of Midland. They typically work with the city manager in terms of if something's coming up, what position should the city take? Um, it's often difficult, quite frankly, to do that because often when we hear of legislation coming forward, it's coming forward on such a schedule that it's difficult to come to council and have discussions with council as a whole. And as such, we determine whether or not it's important enough for the city to actively invest our time and our effort into um, what really can be described as nothing but lobbying, quite, quite frankly, um, on behalf of the city's interest in that particular case. So this particular position has been filled by council member uh, Diane Brown Wilhelm for a period of years. And she has, of course, been involved with the Michigan Municipal League in the past and has kept a very close uh, hand sort of on watching this legislation that comes forward. So whether it's her or whether it's I, we, we try to keep an eye on um, all coming legislation, particularly at the state level, uh, which more often directly impacts us. But once again, this requires a, a recommendation from this, or an appointment, excuse me, from this council uh, for one or one of you to be the legislative director. Okay. Does anyone have any questions for Mr. K on this? All right. Seeing none, then can we have a motion to appoint someone as the legislative director? Diane says she was willing to do it, so I would support that. I'll put that in form of motion. Okay. No second that. Okay, first and second. Any dis any further discussion on this? All right, then seeing none, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 4-0. Well done. I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, that, we're moving along then on the agenda. Does anyone have a conflict of interest with anything that's on this evening's agenda? Okay, seeing none, then we'll move on to the consent agenda. All resolutions marked with an asterisk are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one motion. There'll be no separate consideration of these items unless a citizen or council member so requests during the discussion stage of the motion to adopt the consent agenda is indicated. If there's even a single request, the item will be removed from the consent agenda without further motion and considered in its listed sequence and regular fashion. Can we have a motion to approve the consent agenda? So move. Second. Yep, first and second. Okay, would anyone from the public like an item removed from the consent agenda? Okay, seeing none, anyone from council want an item removed from the consent agenda? No, ma'am, ma'am. All right, seeing none, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? None, okay, that passes 4-0. All right, this evening we have three public hearings. Let me just briefly talk about public hearings and how they work. Um, well. All of them are going to be presented by Mr. Kane this evening. So uh, <laughs> Mr. Kane will come in, up as our, um, uh, and walk through um, the, each of these items with us. Once he's done with that, that gives council an opportunity then to ask questions. Once council asks questions, then we'll open the public hearing and the petitioner can speak either um, on behalf or uh, can speak. And then we'll ask um, if there's members from the public who'd like to speak. Once that's done, we'll close the public hearing and then it's council's 
uh, opportunity to um, deliberate. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to you, Mr. Kane. Oh, I guess one other item, I'm sorry. There is a blue mat. Mr. Kane will demonstrate where you stand. <laughs> when you come up here, you need to stand on the blue mat and you address council with any comments. It's not a back and forth between um, council and the individual presenting or the individual and the rest of the members here. So with that, now, Mr. Kane, I'll turn Thank it over you, to you. Thank you, Mayor Donker. Thank you. And I, I can take a note, so I'll just ask if there's any questions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first, uh, first public hearing tonight is for conditional use permit number 79. This is a request from Elaine Zielinski for a addition to a single family home located at 4215 Stonegate Drive. The property is located in the city's residential B multiple family zoning district. Um, in that district, single family dwellings are currently classified as a conditional land use, which is what brings us here tonight for consideration of this conditional land use permit. Subject property is located on the south side of Stonegate Drive. This is a private street that is um, connected to Perrin Road and runs uh, east and west roughly parallel with North Saginaw Road. Oh, jumping in a little bit, you'll see the current configuration of the property. The applicant is proposing to remove a portion of the deck that's shown on the southern side of that house uh, in order to build the three seasons room addition. Property is located in the residential B zoning district. That's the zoning district that applies to all of the properties that are located on Stonegate Drive. Um, immediately to the south, we do have a mixture of zoning along North Saginaw Road, including office service immediately abutting this property. Properties to the north are primarily located in the residential A1 zoning district, one of the city's four single family zoning districts. In terms of future land use, the Stonegate Drive development is located in the city's medium density residential future land use category. Immediately to the south, adjacent to the property, we do have an office service designation along North Saginaw Road. Once again, uh, this is just a aerial image of the property. The red square indicates the 16 by 12 proposed addition to the home. Um, this is largely consistent with the footprint of that existing deck area. On the screen, you'll see a rendering of the proposed addition. This is another rendering. This would be looking towards the north and west. Conditional land uses are subject to a variety of non-discretionary standards under the city zoning ordinance. Um, and those applicable standards are listed in section 27. In this case, all of the applicable provisions for the non-discretionary standards have been met, including setback requirements of the residential B district. Conditional land uses are also subject to several discretionary standards. Those are listed on the screen. Staff has recommended no contingencies of approval along with this request. We have received one public comment to date in support of the request. I would note for council's benefit and the public's as well that we do have a proposed text amendment which would amend the residential B zoning district to make single family dwellings a permitted use in the district which would eliminate the necessity of visiting council for these matters in the future. That item was included on your consent calendar tonight so that will be coming back to you for public hearing on December 5th. So with that, we're at the end of the process for the conditional land use permit. Following your public hearing, you can feel free to take action. And I would welcome any questions. Hey, any questions for Mr. Kane? I'm sure that meets all setback requirements and stuff like that. It correct? does. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Okay, this is a public hearing. I'm going to try this. Let me see. We'll open the public hearing. Is there any comments from the public? Is the petitioner here? And if so, do they have any comments? All right, there's no comments from the petitioner. 
Any other comments? All right, seeing none, then we'll close the public hearing. Lacey, will you please read the resolution? This resolution will approve a request from Elaine Zielinski to approve a conditional use permit for a single family dwelling addition located at 4215 Stonegate Drive. Okay, can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So moved. Second. Okay, first and second. Any discussion on that? This, uh, this addition is completely consistent with the other houses <coughs> in, the other, uh, in the neighborhood and I enthusiastically support it and hope you will too. Yeah. Anything else? I, I agree with Mr. Aronofsky, and I know that's been a bit of a, um, it's taken some time to get us to this point, and I'm pleased to see that we have that one item on the consent agenda, and we'll be addressing it so we don't have to do this again in the future. So are we ready to vote? All right, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 4-0. All right, that takes us now down to item number four, which is zoning petition number 664, which has to do with Perrin Road. Again, Mr. Kane. Thank you, Mayor Donker. Uh, next public hearing is a zoning petition initiated by the Planning Department uh, for property located at 6917 North Perrin Road. The subject property amounts to just over two-tenths of an acre. It's currently zoned Residential A under the Larkin Township Zoning Ordinance, and the proposal is to zone the property RA1 single-family residential. Subject property is basically two portions of property that were annexed into the City of Midland this year. Uh, these are parcels that are immediately adjacent to Ms. Linda Hall's home. Uh, Ms. Linda Hall is the owner of the two pieces of property that were annexed in from Larkin Township, and those are depicted on the screen. So essentially, um, the, app or the applicant is the city. Essentially, the petitioner for the annexation was looking to expand her lot to include some land that was adjacent to her home that was located in Larkin Township. Um, that annexation, those lot combinations are, uh, the annexations approved, the lot combinations are in progress. This would apply zoning in accordance with the city's zoning ordinance within the two-year period following annexation. This is just a zoom in to show those two uh, portions of property that are proposed for zoning tonight. Uh, these would be attached to the applicant's uh, property, which you see on the screen, which is a single-family dwelling. Zoning in the area for the city, uh, properties located within the city of Midland is primarily RA1 residential. We do have some community zoning for property owned by the city of Midland that's located to the east. Future land use is low density residential for uh, the properties in question, as well as all the other properties located on the western side of Perrin Road. Immediately to the east, we do have an institution and civic future land use category for those properties owned by the city of Midland. The intent of the residential A1 district is to provide primarily for single family development. And they primarily differ in terms of area density and building placement requirements between our four residential A districts, RA1 being the least dense. So therefore requiring the largest lot areas and the largest setbacks of those four districts. Some of the example permitted uses, again, there's already a single family dwelling on the properties that are adjacent to these two smaller pieces of land that will be attached as part of this process. Can go really quickly through these criteria. The proposed uh, assignment of zoning is consistent with the city's future land use map. The ability to meet the zoning um, of the RA1 is possible given the existing land use and the lot configuration in this case. Conditions have changed. We do have an annexation of property which necessitates assignment of city zoning. This will not grant any special privileges it will also not result in any unlawful exclusionary zoning. 
We do not believe it will set an inappropriate precedent since it does align with the city's master plan. It is consistent with the zoning of surrounding properties, both those within and outside the city limits. It is consistent with the future designation of uh, future land use designation contained in the city's master plan. We do find that the requirements of the zoning classification can be met on the subject parcel following combination. And it's consistent with land activities, uh, land development activities in the immediate proximity. We've received no comments on this petition to date. Staff does recommend approval given that it does align with the city's future land use map. It supports goals of the city's master plan. It will facilitate development consistent with the pattern of use in the area. And it is necessary given the recent annexation. We're at the last step in the process tonight with your public hearing and welcome any questions. Okay, any questions for Mr. Kane? Very much. Thank you. All right, seeing no questions, we'll open the public hearing. Is there any comments from the public? All right, seeing now we'll close the public hearing. And Lacey, will you <coughs> please read the resolution? This resolution will approve amending the City of Midland zoning map by rezoning property located at 6917 North Perrin Road from Township Zoning to RA1 Single Family Residential. Okay, can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So moved. Second. Okay, first and second. Any discussion? Well, unlike the other property on Perrin Road, which I disagreed with Mr. Kane's recommendations, then I agree with Mr. Kane's <laughs> recommendation. Sure, he's glad to hear that. <laughs> all right, any other discussion? All right, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 4-0. That now takes us down to item number five, which is zoning petition number 645. Again, Mr. Kane. Thank you, Madam Mayor. We all have our nights, so we'll <laughs> see if we can go 3-0. Three, three so our last public hearing tonight is for zoning petition number 645. This is for a property that is collectively located at 124 and 128 McDonald Street and 100 Ashman Street in downtown Midland. The applicant's Nicholas Seehafer, uh, property owners SSP Associates Incorporated. The property in total is just shy of one acre. It's currently zoned downtown with the downtown overlay applied. The applicant's proposing to remove the downtown overlay and maintain the base downtown zoning. Subject property is shown on the screen. This is essentially the southern half of the block that's bounded by East Main Street, Ashman Street, McDonald Street, and Ann Street. Um, so this is primarily, these are all properties that do not have any frontage on East Main Street. These are properties that do abut uh, municipal parking lots primarily to the south and to the east, um, immediately adjacent to uh, the Titabawassee River. Uh, the subject properties were most recently used by the Midland Daily News for their operations and they are currently vacant. This is just to zoom in a little bit and you can see those existing buildings on the property. Um, there is a slip lane that provides access uh, in and out of the property off Ann Street as well as a fairly large driveway opening on Ashman uh, providing access into the building. As I noted previously, the property is currently located in the downtown zoning district with the downtown overlay applied. Um, that's similar to all of the properties to its north, uh, east and west. To the south, uh, we do have publicly owned land that's primarily in a parks and uh, public parks and recreation category. Um, I'm sorry, this is the future land use map. Uh, we're not gonna see a whole lot of difference when we jump over uh, in terms of looking at zoning. Um, we do have the downtown district applied very much universally. The downtown overlay boundary extends to Ann Street across the three blocks running along the public park space. And again, the applicants proposing to adjust that boundary north uh, would follow their northerly property line around their properties. 
So the downtown district's intended, as you might expect, to create a compact, lively, pedestrian-oriented district with a mixture of commercial office, civic, cultural, entertainment, recreational, residential, and tourism uses. And it aims for traditional design principles and architectural features that create visual interest. So we're primarily looking at a street-oriented building that you would typically find in a historic downtown such as downtown Midland. The, the downtown overlay is intended to reinforce that a bit further. Uh, primarily, um, and this is a question you may have, what's the difference, why do we have the overlay? Um, there are two things that the overlay primarily does. One, the overlay further restricts the uses that are permitted within the downtown district. So the downtown district is fairly permissive in terms of a variety of residential and business uses. The downtown overlay is a little bit more restrictive with the intention of creating a vibrant traditional downtown environment, i.e. a really vibrant commercial and retail environment along Main Street between Jerome and George Streets. So I highlighted that in the intent here, that downtown or overlay is really driven towards creating that environment along Main Street. As I, noted, as I noted earlier in the presentation, this property in particular has no frontage on Main Street in that area. The other difference has to do with the setback requirements and the height requirements, so some of the area and bulk. And the main difference here is that within the downtown overlay, we do have a minimum height requirement of two stories. So if you're in downtown, but outside the downtown overlay, you could build a one-story building. Within the downtown or overlay, we do have a minimum building height requirement of two stories. So what brings us here tonight with this particular application is the applicant's desire to build townhouses. Townhouses are one of the uses that the downtown overlay does not allow that the base zoning of downtown does. And so that brings us here tonight to remove that overlay from this property in order to enable that development to take place. So run through the review criteria really quickly. Is the proposed amendment consistent with the city's master plan? Staff's answer is yes. The applicant's proposed zoning classification of D downtown is consistent with the future land use designation of downtown. The proposed amendment also supports goals of the master plan, including expanding and enhancing the vibrancy of downtown by adding density and promoting housing that is inviting to younger professionals, especially in the downtown area. Two, will the amendment be in accordance with the intent and purpose of the zoning ordinance? And staff's answer is yes. Um, again, as I highlighted earlier, the downtown overlay is specifically intended to promote a vibrant traditional downtown environment along Main Street between Jerome and George. The subject properties don't have any frontage on Main Street. Uh, and the type of residential development envisioned will promote a vibrant downtown district by bringing additional residents to the district. That's one of the really key ingredients to having a successful downtown is having people that live there that can work, patronize, uh, really activate the district 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Three, if conditions change since the zoning ordinance was adopted to justify the amendment, and staff's answer is yes. Um, number one, the site became vacant and is available for redevelopment. Two, the 2018 housing report that was conducted for Midland County identified specifically townhouse style development as being an opportunity space for downtown Midland. Four, will the amendment merely grant special privileges? Staff's answer is no. The proposed zoning is consistent with the zoning of other properties that are located southwest of Main Street that don't have frontage on Main Street. Five, will it result in un unlawful exclusionary zoning? Staff's answer is no. Six, will the amendment set an inappropriate precedent? Staff's answer is no. The proposed amendment does align with the city's future land use map and is consistent with other goals contained within the city master plan. Seven, is the proposed zoning consistent with the surrounding zoning classifications of surrounding land? Staff's answer is yes. Again, we're maintaining, we're proposing to maintain the base zoning of downtown and simply to remove the downtown overlay, which is similar to other areas within the downtown area. 
Eight, will the proposed zoning, uh, is the proposed zoning consistent with the future land use designation of surrounding land? Staff's answer is yes, it is consistent with the future land use designation, which is primarily downtown. Nine, could all requirements in the proposed zoning classification be complied on? And again, staff's answer is yes. As I noted earlier, the requirements of the downtown district as opposed to the modifications made by the overlay are relatively minimal in scope and primarily have to do with the type of land uses that are permitted. And 10, is the proposed zoning consistent with trends in land development in the general vicinity of the property in question? And staff's answer is yes. As you all know, the property is located in downtown Midland and there's been significant residential development um, for years in downtown Midland and that continues to expand um, throughout the downtown area. We've received one public comment um, that was during the Planning Commission public hearing in support of the petition. Staff does recommend approval of the zoning petition based on the following. One, the proposed zoning is consistent with the city's future land use map and supports goals of the city's master plan. Two, the proposed zoning will facilitate development that is consistent or compatible rather with the pattern of use and development in the general vicinity. Three, conditions have changed since the adoption of the zoning ordinance, including the identified need for housing downtown. And four, public services in the transportation network are sufficient to support the permitted uses and the proposed zoning. So with that, we're at the final step in the process with your public hearing tonight, and I would welcome any questions. Okay. Any questions for Mr. K? Yeah, I've got a question regarding this one-story, two-story, uh, because you've really got two separate buildings here. You've got the old print shop, which I would say is an existing one-story. Then you've got the, what were the, I would say, the administrative offices. And I think those are at least two-story, maybe three, I'm not sure. Um, so if they were to, let's talk about the office space. If it was to be left as it is, could they not put condos in there as in, in the current, um, within the current footprint and height uh, that the existing administrative building sits? So just as a general matter, if the building, the lack of a second story would be considered a dimensional nonconformity as it comes from the dimensional table, the schedule of regulations for the district. And so that dimensional nonconformity could continue to exist. It wouldn't preclude utilization of the building for a um, previously authorized land use or a new land use that's otherwise allowed under the zoning. What you couldn't do was to expand the nonconformity, the level of nonconformance. So if you were to build an addition to that building under the current conditions where the overlay applies, you wouldn't be able to build a one-story addition. You would need to build a two-story addition. Could you put, let me ask a question, could you put condos within the existing structure if, if with the current uh, zoning? You can have multiple family housing under the overlay. You can't have townhomes. So I guess condominium is a form of ownership, not a, not a type of yeah. housing. I know that, I know it's easy to say that and then yeah. in practice, <clears throat> You look at a condo and you know it's a condo. Because I, I don't, I didn't understand that there would be townhome style in the office space, but you're telling me that would this be. This would be new construction. Oh, they're tearing it completely out and yes, rebuild. Yes, this would be new construction on the property. Okay. And, and the, the two-story height requirement, I only highlight to say that's one of the uh, small number of differences between our base downtown zoning and our downtown overlay is that two-story requirement. Uh, I believe all of the applicants proposed buildings, although we haven't received a site plan yet, but that their intention is to construct nothing that's less than two stories in height. Yeah, I mean, we were showed pictures of what they were thinking about when it came before us, I think for the Brownfield uh, proposal. So going to the print shop location, there was gonna be basically garages at the <coughs> base level, then two stories of living space in a townhouse. Um, if that was only 
a garage in, in one story, does it not meet the requirement of the overlay district where it has to be two stories? In other words, do they have, if we take the, if we make the, the change, does it have to be two stories tall? It does not, because the, the proposed change would be to remove the downtown overlay. The downtown overlay is what is imposing the two-story requirement. So if the downtown overlay is removed, then there's just simply the height limit that exists under the downtown base zoning, right. which and I believe uh, 76 feet. So I, I don't anticipate that being an issue. Yeah, and just to clarify, the D downtown, you can have one, two, or three story, correct? Uh, you could conceivably probably have four, four, five, or six want, yeah. story okay. as well. So it's not a story limit, but with the um, downtown DO, <laughs> that would have a two story. DO has no height limit, but it does have a height minimum of two stories. Okay, minimum, yes. Thank you. How many different units on the proposal? We don't have a proposal in front of us, okay. and, and to be honest, I haven't had the benefit of reviewing the Brownfield package, so um, the applicant may be prepared to answer that question tonight. Yeah, we were told before, Tim, so maybe they'll have Yeah, so we can, we can wait. The applicant has an opportunity <coughs> to speak. So we'll, we'll answer that question. It's a good question. In due time. Um, so I did watch the planning commission hearing, and I thought there were some good questions that came up there. But I, So I think it's, one, it's important to articulate the difference between flood plain and floodway because you know a good part of that downtown area is in the floodway, so does this sit in the floodway, or sit in the floodplain? It does. And I think we should have that answered again for us. Sure, that's a great question. I can actually show you on the screen. Um, this is a map that depicts the floodplain and floodway, um, uh, superimposed over the aerial imagery of the site. And so, um, so this is the subject property here. Could you give a definition of those two terms? Sure. Well, so let me walk through with the, the three things that this slide shows. So we have the floodway, which is here, and in, in I would call this pink or purple. This is the floodway. So that, that line right there, this is basically where you kind of expect the Or it flood. always floods. Yeah. <laughs> For better, yeah, slack of a yeah, better way to say it. The, the next level here, um, I'm not even going to be able to tell you what color this is. I'm a little colorblind. But... Let's call it blue. So this, this next layer here that goes back almost to the limits of this property, this is the 100-year floodplain. So this is generally where you'd expect that there, you know, in one in 100 years you may see flooding. This next level, this next layer. Every 10 years in yeah. Yeah. Percentage chance. Of yeah, it's basically <coughs> a percentage chance. Um, the next layer here, which is Flooded green, um, this thinner layer is the 500-year floodplain. So this is where you'd expect to see flooding, but at a much less frequent rate. Um, any development that the applicant does here, so if the, if the site is cleared, if there's new buildings constructed, those buildings are gonna have to be built in accordance with the city's floodplain regulations. And that's essentially gonna require that these buildings are built up and out of the floodplain. And so that, that issue will be resolved. Generally speaking, just in the broadest terms, you can build in a floodplain if you built in the floodplain regulations, you cannot build in a floodway. So basically you can have a garage, but you can't have living space. Living space has to be above the flood line. I think that's why they're getting away with what well, they're proposing. Because <clears throat> yeah. a garage won't have any mechanicals or anything. It's the living so it'll be above where the the flood plane is, as I understand it. Okay, well, you know what? The petitioner will be yeah, I've <laughs> any plans, so I can't speak to that. Yeah. So Right. Any other questions? I think the other thing I've got a question about. You talked about the downtown 
being, or the downtown overlay, I forget, has a tie in, a definition tied into Main Street. Um, but really, the, the Tridge area is part of Main Street, even though it's not Main Street. I mean, when people move, they talk about Main Street, I think they, you know, heck, we push a lot of people to park down there and they, as, as they, you know, go up on Main Street. So shouldn't we be looking at it, even though it's not Main Street, as if this property is on Main Street? It's, a, it's part of a very social part of our city um, in terms of thinking about what uses are, are best for this particular property. I can, I can speak to the intent that's, mm -hmm. that's outlined in the zoning ordinance, which is for the downtown overlay that it's intended for properties that are located on Main Street between Jerome and George. So I believe the intent was to reinforce the traditional character of our, of our Main Street. Um, again, with the, the idea of, for good downtown planning, when you have a retail corridor, it, you, can, you can undermine the success of a retail corridor really quickly if you have the wrong mix of land uses on the ground level. And so that downtown overlay is really intended to stand in the way of that taking place. So if you've, if you've traveled around, you've seen, you know it when you see it, you've seen downtowns that have a vibrant retail corridor and what they have is active land uses on the ground level that are open to the public. So you've got restaurants and shops and other businesses that are appealing to people who are visiting or are on foot. When you maybe go to a downtown that's not very exciting, you're gonna see a lot of office uses um, you know, things that aren't pedestrian oriented, things maybe residential on the ground level, things that don't really create a vibrant kind of foot traffic that you need to support retail. Um, generally speaking, as a planning best practice, you try to focus that energy in a limited footprint. If you try to spread it too thin, then people won't walk and you don't get the energy that you want. And downtown needs other uses. So you can't have a downtown that just has those retail uses. But if you can get them at kind of a <coughs> um, critical mass in a particular area, you can really create a vibrant district. So I believe that's what the overlay was intended to do, was to help to kind of filter those, those uses out and to create the, the building footprints and the street wall that would make Main Street successful. It just happened for whatever reason that when it was mapped, it, it happened to include properties that extended further south. I don't necessarily think that that, from a from a physical design respect, I, I would be inclined to agree with you. We would want vibrant development here. I don't think anyone's suggesting that a gas station should go here or something else that wouldn't be fitting to the, the area. And I know that the applicant, to the extent we've talked about their proposal, I know that their proposal is gonna be urban in format. It's gonna fit in the downtown um, setting. It's gonna be walkable residential but it's probably not the type of development you would necessarily want to situate on Main Street itself, at least within that Jerome to George corridor, because having a block of townhouses, well, it might be good and bring some good, some good things. It will sort of kill the retail vibe, for lack of a more sophisticated way to say it. Whereas here, when you're a half block off Main Street, Selena could probably tell it, tell it, explain it better than me, but I think people aren't going to wander down McDonald to shop but they will, if they live there, they'll wander down there to, to live, so. And hopefully they'll wander up to shop, which will be good for everybody downtown. Okay. Any other questions, Mr. Kane? Okay, thank, thank you, you very much. All right, this is a public hearing. We'll open the public hearing. I see the petitioner is here, and maybe you'd like to make comments. <coughs> uh, Nick Zioffer, uh, Shaheen Development Architect. 
uh, located at 1100 South Washington Street in Saginaw, Michigan. I thank you for your, and congratulations. Thank you. We'll hopefully make this a good first meeting for you. <laughs> um, we, are, we are proposing this removal of the overlay because we do have a project in mind. We have gone through brownfield development. We have got that approval. We're currently working with the city on a compensating cut and fill because our intent is to take this entire property, not out of the 100 year, but out of the 500 year floodplain. So we're proposing to actually bring that property up about nine feet. Um, and what that would allow us to do is, is locate a very nice landscape facade along the street, along a, I can't even remember the street, so Ann Street, and with a tiered landscape effect. And for the density that we're looking for, townhomes are the most logical choice because you can sit them side by side. You don't have to detach them like, like you would a single family residence. Um, you're able to fire separate them so they can act as individual buildings but it allows us to get the density that we need. We were, would be able to build 10 two-story townhouses along that street and then build a four-story 12-unit uh, apartment building, kind of where the print shop kind of is, but we would push it out onto the street so that that would have a pedestrian entrance all the way around. Um, we've worked with the city's services, with fire, um, with uh, building departments, so we've and going through all the necessary exercises to make this a viable property so the fire department still has free access through it. Um, we do feel that it is a great use for something that we consider the backside of that block. Um, Midland Daily News was great there, but we've seen the floods. The 500-year flood didn't happen in 500 years. It happened twice in three years. Um, we actually have the property just to the north of this property with the H residence and we saw where the water comes. So it's our intent to bring this property out of that danger zone so it never has flooding problems again and then allow people to have a really nice place to live in downtown Midland and, and enjoy that beautiful main street. I mean, we see what's happening on the other side, so. So the, do the townhomes have garages? Yes. And they will be where? They will be, we'll raise the site up and you will drive into your garage. Your kitchen and your living space would be on the first floor and bedrooms would be on the second floor, along with all the mechanical services. Three stories. Two stories. Including Two the garage? The garage is on the first floor okay. with the kitchen and your living space, and then you would have a second floor with two bedroom, oh, okay. two master bath, and then that's where all the mechanical and laundry services would actually be located on the second floor. But the whole building is outside of the floor, outside of the 500-year floor. So w the elevation on it, you're, you have the H residence and you have Grazi right there with the patio. Where is that elevation going to fall relative to your existing buildings? Uh, it will be pretty much in line with, it's just slightly above the garage level of the building to the north. So as, that, as you come down that, mm -hmm. that street, that, mm -hmm. it falls. I mean... Skateboarders must love that street because <laughs> when we put those new sidewalks in, I thought we'd see them there all the time. Um, it just falls so quickly that when we would actually enter up just behind that building, we would actually do a little bit of retainage because we do have a utility corridor that we have to pay attention to that was mm -hmm. very expensive to put in, um, but gets flooded. So this would give us an opportunity to rectify that situation. And then we would basically retain earth on both sides with the landscape and such, and would allow us to bring them up to that level, which isn't quite as high on the back side as it is on the front side. So if you're standing on Ann Street and you looked up, it would be nine feet above your head, would be 
first floor. Have you considered retail development along where you're proposing the townhouses, townhouses will be? It's just an elevation change that it would not be uh, conducive to people walking up basically two flights of steps or having to wrap a ramp so that you can get up nine feet. You would have, I mean, it would be a substantial ramp. So it, it just doesn't give you that feel. By the time you push them back and give you the room to, to get it up there so it's not a steep slope, it just wouldn't be a very good retail environment. Any other questions? Okay. I thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for being here. Any other comments from the public? Good evening. Uh, my name is Kurt Yaki, and my address is 110 East Main Street, Unit 402. I live in the H residence. And uh, <clears throat> I live there because we got a little water on Valley a couple of years ago uh, sufficient that we were flooded out. And so we had the opportunity to leave town or we could stay in town. And we built out a condo space in that building and uh, it is a terrific place to live. Um, the developers were outstanding to work with and they developed, I think, a terrific property. I believe they will do the same with this property. I have no reason to think that they wouldn't. Um, and uh, from my perspective, and from those, if you'll withstand the hearsay, from the rest of the building, uh, they really welcome the opportunity to have those townhouses just, just down the hill from us. And raising it up as much as they're talking about, we thought made just a ton of sense. I have any, happy to answer any question you might have for a resident. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Any other comments from the public? Okay, seeing none, we'll close the public hearing. Lacey, will you please read the resolution? This resolution will approve amending the City of Midland zoning map by rezoning property located at 124 and 128 McDonald Street and 100 Ashman Street from D downtown with DO overlay to D downtown. And we have a motion to accept the resolution. So move. We have a second. I'll second. Yeah, first and second. Discussion. I think it's the right fit for you know what we're looking at for downtown and everything like that. Uh, I, I'm real happy about the elevation that they're talking about. You know, basically moving up to the 500 year level. So that that's a great thing to it. I can only see success with this. I guess I have some reluctance only because this is a, an area that has a lot of social gathering and we talked a little bit about vibrancy and maintaining that vibrancy and putting residential there does the opposite in my mind of vibrancy. Um, mm -hmm. The question is whether you could ask the question about retail because that would be, I mean we Back when there was the controversy about moving the farmer's market and there was all sorts of plans about what was going to happen down there, you know, basically you're going to have a carnival, you could have restaurants and boats and, you know, and all sorts of things, none of which were residents. It was all things that the public could engage in. And so now you're taking <clears throat> part of this footprint and, and part of really the face of the Tridge area and you're making it into condos. 
which is the opposite of a lot of things that would enhance public engagement and, and social interaction. <clears throat> I don't know whether it's doable is my only question, but that's, that's my, maybe my hesitancy here. I mean, it, the townhouses sound fine in their design and so forth. It's just a question of the location. And it's really, I'm focusing on the townhomes as opposed to the four-story location, which I think is a, a different, just a different location. It makes a bit of a difference. And so what we're doing here is we're, we're making a change that will, you know, change a bit of the, of the look uh, down there. And, and uh, the question is whether we are doing it for the, for the better or not. Yeah, I, you know, I hear what Steve is saying about, you know, the conversations we had regarding, you know, the farmer's market. But those, you know, those conversations took place prior to 2017. I mean, that's came in front of council, you know, before that. Since, since then, we've had, we have had two floods, and we see that, you know, weather's, weather's changing and things are changing. And I think it changes how we have to think about that area and what we can do to, to make vibrant. And I think having, you know, more live, people living downtown certainly, you know, creates a vibrancy in and of itself. Those folks will be out in their, out in their yards. They, hopefully they'll have friends coming over. Um, but we still have a lot of that area to access. And I think we, we, I think we need to think about it differently. I think this is a good use for that. Um, I think that when I look at who the, who the builders are, I think I look at the other buildings around downtown, the Trinzio building, the new Stifle building, you know, Grazi, the H residence. I mean, that's a class act. And that's, and I think they're going to build something that will really be beautiful and add to that. And I think it's something that, you know, it needs to happen. And I think it will encourage even more growth in that area. And, and hopefully maybe some more businesses to come down and access some of those spaces that we have downtown on Main Street and some of the other side spaces. So for me, this is kind of, this is pretty exciting. Any? Madam Mayor, just broken record uh, here sure. a little bit. I understand and appreciate that. But just uh, although we've had a description of a proposal that's intended on this site right. in right. front of you, we have that got is a not side. what's the, in front of you right, tonight. Right, right, um, right. What you have is really the removal of the overlay. Right which would allow for townhouses, would change the height restrictions as Mr. Kane has indicated. Right. Um, and that's truly what's in front of you. It wouldn't preclude, for instance, retail operations that continuing on in the downtown. It just adds some uses and provides some provisions that aren't currently there today. So just as you're making your I mind know. up. As I'm getting just, ahead of myself. Like I said, broken record. That's I know okay. we say that to you all the time, yeah, but okay. uh, just as a reminder. Yeah, and I think, and that, and that is true. Right now what we're doing tonight is it's just a change of that, and certainly when it comes to the site plan, that will be a whole other, you know, conversation. Well, with that discussion, I mean, the main change is it's going to allow townhouses. It's going to allow so townhouses. So that's why Correct. I think we were doing a discussion on that. So. Right. Yep. Okay. Any other comments? Are we ready to vote? Yep. All right. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed. That passes 4-0. Thank you all for being here this evening. All right, that takes us now down to public comment. This is an opportunity for people to comment on issues relevant to council business, but not on the agenda this evening. Is there any public comment? Okay, we'll move on now then to oh, new business. <laughs> well, we went through the rest of that agenda pretty fast then. We kept it light for you tonight. Yeah, thank you. 
All right, Mr. K, do you have any new business? I do not. Okay, any new business from anyone else on council? Just, uh, I've I seen a public uh, communication that came out about the uh, lining um, that, that has started. That's one of the concept five things for the sewer lining and everything like that. I was just wondering if you could kind of give a quick quip about that has started and <coughs> sure so uh, the project that uh, councilman Wozbinski is speaking about is an element of the concept five uh, sewer work that's taking place across the city specifically the linings of the sewer lines which is intended to prevent infiltration um, and inflow into those pipes the idea being of course to keep water out of them so that less water has to go through them ultimately go through the pumps and, and down all the way to the pumping station for treatment so um, there was just a press release put out tonight basically advising everyone that that work is about to start um, so you'll start to see vehicles on the streets the first thing to do is actually we flush the lines themselves and then we go in afterwards and we um, actually put the line the cure in place linings that go into it uh, it's anticipated uh, that will be about a year uh, time to do all of the lines. Uh, there's a map. If it's not up already, it'll be up very shortly, which will actually show the lines uh, that we'll be working on uh, within the areas um, that are going to benefit us. So um, first big part, the first really big element, quite frankly, of Concept 5. In addition, of course, as you know, you've given contracts out uh, for other work, but this was one of them that we awarded. So they'll be able to work on this all winter? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's wow. So. Okay. And this was different than the puncture that occurred about a week the or punct so. Yeah, the, the overflow that we had that went from the sanitary sewer into the storm sewer was a contractor working who actually drilled into the pipe um, and caused a, a leak basically from one to the other. So has nothing to do, um, unfortunately, it's in an area that's somewhat uh, related, but the actual occurrence had nothing to do with it. Okay. okay. Any other questions, comments, or new business? All right, seeing none, then we're adjourned. Thanks so much. We'll be back together next week. Next week. <laughs>